How many are thankful to be in America? Yes. I don't know about you, but uh, there's something about the ability to say what you want and express how you feel and um, not worry as much. Because I know that it's not what it used to be. There's still some repercussions. But thank God I'm not in China where I can actually say some things. In fact, let me just say this. I'm thankful that even though my culture may reject me, I can still name the name of Jesus and not be worried about rejection at a political level or at a um, uh, penal level. And so I just want you to know I'm thankful to be in America today. And I would say this is as I look at our scope of our time and uh, our life here and the culture that we have here today, I, I oftentimes wonder, Lord, can you, could you possibly bless America again? If we look at who we are and how far we've come from, I wonder if it's possible. And so today I want to deal with that particular question, can God bless America again? Uh, let me just say before I get on is that, uh, hey, the worship team, man, man, that was awesome. It is not easy to teach you to be thankful or lead you to be thankful for a country and then lead you into worship to be thankful for the God who produced the country. You guys did a great job today. Thank you very much. Uh, and that's what we are celebrating today. Obviously, we're so thankful for the country that we're living in, but we know where that blessing comes from. We know that it is God alone. Uh, in fact, me and Sarah, we were talking about this a while ago, and, and she said, milk and honey. Uh, that's, what, that's what the land of promise was for Israel. And really, when I look at it, man, America really is a, a land where milk and honey flow. There's no country like our country. I believe that our country was birthed out of the intent and heart of God. I don't know any other country we can say that about other than Israel. I'm thankful for it today. But when we look at our scope of our, of our culture and of our nation today, we ask ourselves the question, does, does God even uh, entertain the idea of blessing America again? When we look at America's greatness, we have to ask ourselves, where does it come from? What's responsible for it? I can tell you it's not her education. Uh, it's not natural resources. It's not politics. It's not military power. It's not technology, and it's not economic wealth. The reason for America's greatness is the blessing of God upon our nation, 100%. We can't, we can't give credit to anybody else. It is his and his alone. If we lose God's blessing on our, uh, and protection, I would say, let me add that as well, because we need it as well, protection. We lose our greatness. If we lose God's blessing and we lose his protection, we lose our, our uh, greatness from God. And so how does that come about? How do we maintain that? How do we ask God to continue to pour out his greatness upon us? Um, and I will tell you this, is that we, we have to maintain a righteousness as a people. And you cannot vote in righteousness. It would be so great, right, to vote in righteousness, but that has not worked in the past. Uh, righteousness doesn't come through a vote. And so for us to vote uh, God's blessing in or God's protection in would mean that other people could vote it out. And I'm thankful that we can't vote out righteousness and we can't vote out God's blessing. We can't vote out his protection, but his protection, his righteousness, and his blessing comes to his righteous people who are living according to him. Can I tell you that God cares about the righteousness of a nation 
Look at, Psalm, um, look at Proverbs 14, 34. It says this, righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. Psalm 917 says, the wicked shall return to Sheol, that's hell, all the nations that forget God. And when we live like there is no God, Psalms 14, 1 says this, the fool says in his heart there is no God, and they are corrupt, they do abominable needs, and there is none who does good. Our nation is in a mess, and can I tell you that neither Republicans or Democrats have the answer, or are the answer. Uh, as I read one time, it says, uh, the wise chief says, the left wing and the right wing are still a part of the same bird. <laughs> and, uh, and that is true. That's true. We, we're st- we can't depend on the bird to save us by any chance, um, unless that bird represents the Holy Spirit. You know, other than that, we're, we're not looking too good. And so this morning, we're going to answer the question, can God bless America again? And, and my answer is yes. I believe that he can. And we're going to look at Psalm 33, 10 through 22 and study what I believe are six truths that we know how to walk in alignment with God for us to receive God's blessing. Let's pray this morning. Father in heaven, Lord, I, I don't know of any other time in my life, God, that I, I feel like I need you most when it comes to the country that I live in, the nation that I live in, God, the culture that I live in. Lord, we, we need you desperately. God, I don't even know if there's words to declare to you our need for dependency upon you. But Lord, I pray that you'd move upon our hearts, God, that we wouldn't just know something. Sometimes, Father, we have a knowledge, God, that is just apart from our conviction. I pray, Lord, that you would move what we know needs to happen to move it into our heart, that we would be convicted by your word and by this world, Lord, to remind us, God, how desperately we need you. And how desperately, God, we need to hold uh, others up. And really, our leaders and our country, Father, in prayer. Lord, use your word this morning to expand to our lives, Father, the truth that we need to know and act upon. In Jesus' name, amen. Psalms 33.10 says this, The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He refutes the plans of the peoples. I love that scripture. I think that's a great scripture that he brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. That means whatever men can come up with, whatever high and lofty plan they put together, it makes no difference if they're for you or against you. All of it means nothing when it comes to God. It says that he frustrates the plans of the people. When I read that, here's what I know, here's what we should know, is that God is secure in his sovereignty. There's something that is absolutely freeing that I don't have to worry. If I served a God who wasn't completely sovereign, I would wonder if man might have his attention to move him or change him. But God, but we have no more ability to change God than we do the stars in our atmosphere. And those things were created. How much less did we do in things that are uncreated, being God himself? And so I'm thankful that God is sovereign, that God can't be dethroned. He can't be voted out. He can't be removed. Regardless of what the mightiest nations on earth do in defiance or arrogance or pride or rebellion against God, God is the final authority, and he can overturn, overthrow, veto, upset, ruin, destroy all the plans of man. In fact, Psalms chapter 2, verse 1 through 5 says this, Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? 
The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. Their Lord, the Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, I, When I read this, I think, Lord, what are we talking about here? What are you trying to say? And when I research this, when, as I research and I read the nation's condition, can I tell you, I, I've ran, have, have you ever heard of any conspiracy theories at all? Ever ran across those new things at all? They're trending right now. <laughs> Since 2020, both spiritually and, and nationalistically as well. And I'll tell you is that as I have read conspiracy theories, there are some, I'm, I'm sure there's some truth to it, but there are some that are absolutely crazy. And when I read those things, I think, oh, Lord, if this is true, we are in, we're in trouble, Lord. There are some sinister people that long to do some things that are so far from righteousness. And the Lord says, God, I am he who sits in the heaven and laughs. <laughs> ha! Do you think that can be, even if I let you do that, do you think I would allow you to, to finish it out? Even though your heart made plans, it says the Lord holds them in derision. Wow, what does that mean? The word derision here simply means this, I hold them in stammering tongues. That means I hold up their plans, and when they don't realize why they can't do what they want, they come before me speechless, and they stutter before me because they can't understand why they had so much power, so much money, so much control, so much influence. But when I said no, they, they, they were, they, they, well, how could, that's my God. That'll just snatch the words right out of your mouth. That it just snatched the influence and the confidence that you had in your plans that did not honor him. I'm not worried about the Lord because people don't live their life in contrast to my needs and my preferences. When they live in contrast to righteousness, they live in contrast to God. So you're not offending me by your ways of, boy, I could, and I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm, I'm going to have to really stay on my notes today because I'm trying not to let preference roll out the side of my mouth. But I just know this, Lord, help me. Lord, help me that those people who have set their heart against you, oh, I pray they know you. I pray they either know you in your grace or know you in your wrath because you are a God who will not be defiled. You are not just righteous and loving and peace and joy, but you are holy, holy. I serve a holy God, and we must learn to love him. We must learn to honor him. Psalms 2.12 says this concerning they, what they need to remember themselves is to kiss the son, lest he be angry, and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Can I tell you this, smirch, this, this morning church, that's a new word I just created just then. It's called smirch, this morning church. I want you to know, rejoice that God is in control and has the final say. 
I can tell you I know what it looks like in terms of government or at the ballot box or what they're teaching your kids in school when they come home or what we see on TV or far or close by. But you need to know this, that God is absolutely irrefutably on the throne and he will not be removed. He cannot be removed. So there's no need for us to worry because we serve the only true God. All other gods are worthless idols, figments of their imagination. There is no God but one God. And I'm thankful that he has sent his son to die for me and free me. Not just to live in freedom, but to live in spiritual freedom. Psalms 33:11 says this, The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. The second truth is this. God is working on a plan and a future that no one can stop. No one can stop. It's like mama's plans on vacation. No one can stop those plans. We're going where mama says we're going. God has a plan. Can I tell you that it's easy in our world to come to the, a conclusion that, that our world is out of control. That it's filled with hopelessness. Uh, and, and chaos and confusion. We look and we see that our courts, our colleges, and our classrooms are occupied by liberals with an agenda to revise our history and radically change our future. That the enemy would like the body of Christ to forget their authority. He would love that. He would love for us to forget our spiritual weaponry. He would love forget, for us to forget our spiritual unity. He would love those things, to crawl into some fallout shelters and prep up and bunker out. And hope that Christ will come and save us. But God has not called me to be in a Frady hole. God has not called me to run and, run and hide. God has called me to square my shoulders and say, I got authority on this place. He gave me spiritual authority and spiritual authority trumps every other aspect of authority. It's time for the body of Christ to remember who she is and remember who our God is. Church, we have something to say about this nation and what our future holds. We don't got to wave the white flag for surrender. It's time to contend for our faith. Psalms 33, 12 says this, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen as his heritage. The third truth is this, is that God is the source of America's blessing. Not, that, that doesn't come, blessing doesn't come by changing presidents. He won't, issue, he won't usher in peace and prosperity. Uh, blessing doesn't come by building a wall and keeping people out. Um, blessing doesn't come by adding more gun control laws or, or uh, blessing doesn't come by the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Blessing doesn't come that way. We may need some of those things. We may not need all of those things, but I can tell you that America's hope to be blessed depends on her return to God. I'm thankful for the laws that we do have that honor God, and I'm praying for those laws that don't honor God to be turned down. But, but, but God's blessing will not become upon us because of the laws we vote up and we vote down. God's blessing comes through his church. Can I tell you that Israel and Judah, these two nations, they were split into two. They totally rejected God. And as God turned them over to other nations, he was letting them know, I'm going to judge you when you don't hold me dear. In church, when we talk about God blessing America, we're asking this, can God bless the church? That's what we're asking. God never seeks to bless a country or sinners. God seeks to bless the righteousness. 
And so when he looks upon us, does he find us to be righteous? Does he find the church of Christ to be, to be uh, holy and bold? Because I can tell you that judgment won't come upon America if not. We're not special by any means. In fact, if you look at, um, uh, I think it's later on in my sermon, I'll get to it, but, but in, I think it's Amos 2.3, and he says, he says, Israel, don't you know that you are the family of God? How would I not judge you? In other words, God's saying this, is that all the other nations in the world, I don't care for them. You're my own. You're my kids. You belong to me. And so if you're mine as a good father, I'm going to discipline you. I'm going to judge you. Can I tell you that if we want God's blessing, we got to welcome his discipline. That's just how it has to work. Because his discipline works towards our blessing. But you should know that God's wrath is filled to the full when you look around. The amount of abomination and perversions and adulteries and immorality, pornography, violence, bloodshed, pride, arrogance, and denial of God. Yes, that's the country that you and I live in. How do we manage those things? Jesus says we, we need to pay attention because if we're, if we're of a people who have an unrepentant heart, we're looking at a, a destiny that's not going to be good. Matthew eleven twenty three twenty four says this. Then he began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works had been done because they, had, because they did not repent. He says, woe to you, woe to you, Bethsaida, for if the mighty works done in you, have there been any mighty works in America? For the mighty works done in you that have been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you and you, Capernaum. Will you be exalted to heaven? You will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works done in you have been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. What is Jesus saying? He's saying they didn't have the mighty works that I did. I didn't reveal my power, my blessing to them like I did you. Had I done that, Sodom would have still been here. So how much more accountable are we, America? How much more accountable is Israel? Because we saw the glory of God descend upon a nation and bless this nation. He is saying we are accountable in all that we do. But let me tell you, don't rush to judgment so fast. America still has time to repent and return to God that he may bless her once again. But it'll only happen if we understand that change must first begin in our hearts, in my heart, in your heart. And then in our families, and then in our churches, and then in our cities, and then in our culture, and then in our nation. But it starts right here. Every time I get frustrated and I see the news, I have to back up and ask myself, Scott Brandon, are you, are you just as angry as what you see there as you are at the own sin in your own life? Are you upset about immorality and unholiness as much as you are at the unholiness of your life? as a conviction in your life, because I can't be angry externally until I have thoroughly processed what's inside my own life. We spend too much time and energy and resources trying to change things with the resources that we've gathered with our own hands. Can I tell you that spiritual change only comes through spiritual authority? Spiritual change only comes through spiritual authority. I cannot produce salvation by my preaching, by my reading of the word, by any of those things, because the spiritual things that we're after only comes through a spiritual, a spiritual transformation, only comes by an impacting of the spirit, and that only comes when we wield uh, spiritual authority. We cannot wrestle with flesh and blood. It ain't ever going to happen. 
You're saying, Pastor Scott, we're not supposed to vote. We're not supposed to, to uh, make our voices known. No, those things are good. But don't, don't, put your, don't put all your bread in the basket for that. It ain't going to work that way. We have to claim spiritual authority. We spend too much time wrestling against flesh and blood when we don't even have authority in the flesh and blood. We've been given authority in heaven. The word says on earth as it is in heaven. That's where we draw our model. That's where we draw our authority. We need to stop trying to accomplish politically what can only be accomplished spiritually. I think that's important for us to make sure that government is leading um, um, us in a right way. But can I tell you that, that government reflects the condition of the church? Because government reflects, leaders reflect the people, and the people are a reflection upon the church. If the church led in a greater statue, if the church led in a greater conviction, if we led with greater power, the people would follow after that, and we would vote in the people who would reflect our values. It all comes back to us. Sometimes it's just easier to blame everybody else. Ask Adam and Eve. And my kids, we do a great job at it as well. It's always good to blame other people. In fact, the other day, something happened and I said, that wasn't my fault. You know, I did what I was supposed to do. It's just our nature, right? It's our nature to blame. But if we're going to be honest, if we want true change, we have to own it. 100% ownership. What are we doing to really change our nation? What have you really done? We, we read not too far ago, back when Nehemiah prayed for, uh, for six months. Uh, and oh, I'm sorry, for four months, and he worked for two months. We saw the principle that we're supposed to pray twice as much as we're going to work. And so I'm not against um, being in the political voice. I'm not against preaching God's word biblically and how that impacts our government. But if all we're doing is busy with our hands and busy with our mouths, and we're not busy enough on our knees, then what are we really relying upon to change? Because God is not going to come down there and say, oh, he's right. Let me go ahead and help him. No, we have to side with the truth of his word. And sometimes, right now, the truth of his word is not popular. I can't wait to make it more unpopular. Because I believe in this word. Moving on. Psalms 33, 15 through, 13 through 15 says this. The Lord looked down from heaven. He sees all the children of man. Where he sits enthroned, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of them all and observes all their deeds. The fourth fact is simply this, is that nothing man does takes God by surprise. Nothing he ever does takes God by surprise. In fact, I, I was not so long, I, I wanted to really kind of explain this, um, uh, this particular thing I was seeing in Scripture. I don't have time to really unfold it. But... What I realize in Scripture is that many times in the Old Testament, there would be wicked kings and queens that would show up and they would lead Israel into false worship, child sacrifice, and it would be horrible. Obviously, then God would bring a deliverer or a judge or, or something along that, that fashion, and he would deliver Israel. And guess what? Israel would, would remain clean the rest of their lives. <laughs> no, you guys know the story. I've read the book is that Israel would fall again into apostasy, again into apostasy, again into apostasy. Can I tell you that America's decline is not a surprise? We are living out what we have always seen in Scripture. I love that because that tells me this. I'm not worried about God, and God's not worried about anything else. In, I, in, my, in my heart, I believe that God is on the throne si sipping sweet tea. He is not worried. He knows the next play. He knows the next provision. Uh, and so I believe that I, I don't have to 
worry so much. Matter of fact, I feel like it's scripture says to do not be anxious about anything but in prayer and supplication. Right? Give thanks to God because he's in control. America's fate doesn't rest upon what liberals do. America's fate doesn't rest upon what conservatives do. America's fate, America's fate rep, uh, rests upon what the righteous do. Let me show you. Psalms 5 verse 12. It says this. For you bless the righteous, O Lord. You cover him with favor as with a shield. Psalms 14 5 says, There they are in great terror, for God is with the generation of the righteous. Y'all have heard this before, 2 Chronicles 7, 14. If my people, that's the righteous ones, who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. The great thing is this, that the Lord is not listening to sinners. He's not listening to the lost people. He wants to know, are the righteous concerned with me? Are the righteous looking to me? Are the righteous calling on my name? Are the righteous looking for me to do on behalf of them and for me to show myself great and strong and mighty? I want you to know that God's blessings are given upon America for the sake of the righteous. The righteous. That means no matter how immoral or unrighteous this country might become, God's work and decision upon working on our behalf depends solely upon us. Here's the great thing. America's future will not be determined by what sinners do. Let that stick for a second. America's future will not be determined by what sinners do. America's future will be determined by what the church does or doesn't do. And I thank God for that, but at the same time, it puts a holy fear in me. Because when I look around, I ask myself, what do I got to do? Psalms 33, 16 through 17 says this, the king is not saved by his great army. A warrior is not delivered by his great strength. The war horse is a false hope for salvation. And by its great might, it cannot rescue. The fifth reminder of the psalmist simply says this, America's future does not depend upon her military might. Sometimes we feel safe when the guns are in the house and they're locked and loaded. We know how to use them. But can I tell you that, that we don't find confidence and comfort in America's military might? Can I tell you that when the Lord establishes something, it will happen? If the Lord pronounces judgment against America, it will happen. If we go back to Jeremiah's day, Jeremiah said, I want you to know, Israel, that God has looked upon you and has judged you and has decided that, that judgment will come. They wanted to kill Jeremiah because they didn't like that prophecy. I don't know what was wrong with those guys. He said, he said, judgment is coming. There's nothing you can do. They try to remove him. They try to kill him. But once the, the word of the Lord has been pronounced, it, does not, it cannot be changed. So no matter how mighty we are, no matter how many peace treaties we go into, no matter how many alliances, our power, our might, or peace that we find ourselves, can I tell you that nothing that we can do in terms of might power can hold us back from the judgment of God. At the same time, none of those things against us will conquer us when he is for us. The armies couldn't save Israel. The alliance with the king of Egypt couldn't save Israel. When the Lord speaks his word, it comes in surety. And the last truth that we see in Psalms 33, 18 through 22 says this, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him on those who hope in his steadfast love 
that he may deliver their soul from death and keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield, for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us even as we hope in you. The final truth is simply this, is that whatever happens to America, God will take care of those who love him. There's no place like the shadow of the Most High. There's no place like in the wing of God our Father. There's no place like that. God doesn't want our lives to be filled with worry. He said he came to give us life and life more abundantly. And that abundant life doesn't mean a worrisome life. We're not supposed to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow. Matter of fact, I remember there's a part of the scripture in Matthew, and he says something about a sparrow and a lily of the field. Do y'all remember that story? And he says, these are the things that Gentiles, people who, are, who don't have me, they're outside of faith. These are the things that they worry about. Don't you worry about that. The Lord says, as long as you are close to me, as long as you call me Lord, God, Savior, most importantly, that you call me master, that I am the ruler of your life. It is my responsibility to make sure that you are safe. It's my responsibility to make sure that you have enough in your family. It's my I am, I am, I am. This is the God that we serve. But can I tell you that it's important that we just don't rest in his promises, but act that his promises um, offer a, an extension of service to go with that, that there is a responsibility. I thoroughly believe in my heart, me and Ryan were talking the other day, I thoroughly believe in my heart that, that the reason why God has blessed America so much is because we are an evangelical nation. In other words, we send people, we have promoted the gospel, the spread of the gospel. That is, that's, that's the great thing about the Assemblies of God. In, in, in terms of the church at growth, the Assemblies of God has grown the church massively outside the nation, outside the United States. But many have. But America as a whole is responsible for the gospel going to the four corners of the earth. I humbly believe that this is our only stance before God. That, Lord, if America is crippled, who will go forth and, and um, evangelize the world? Well, he can make anybody can come up. <laughs> he don't need America to do that. But I do truly believe because of the church and, and, and who we are in the body of Christ in America, I believe that God has blessed America because we have promoted the gospel and we have honored Israel. I, I thoroughly believe in that. Can I tell you, out of the 100 million believers today, uh, that well, actually, it's 200 million people who profess uh, Christ in America. Probably 100 million of that is true. But do you remember this part of Scripture where it says that we are the salt and light of the earth? I got to thinking about that because, you know, um, it's barbecue time and, and uh, you know, you use salt to season your meat. And I thought to myself, I wonder how much salt it actually takes to, um, to cure a pound of meat. How much salt does it, does it matter? And so I just did some fun fat calculations, and I realized it's three-quarters of a teaspoon, just in case you want to know. Three-quarters of a teaspoon is actually what's required per pound of meat. And so I thought, so if it's three-quarters of a, of a teaspoon, what is that in terms of weight? And if, if we could look at that in terms of how many Christians it takes 
to impact our country, a crazy calculation I realized was this. I don't know. I, listen, this ain't gospel, but I was just wondering. I just Every time you just wonder sometimes. And so I, I did some calculation, and, and if we were to say that, that three-quarters of a teaspoon actually cures a pound of meat, can I tell you that only two million Christians in America is all it takes to impact the whole body? Two million worth their weight in salt Christians. I would surely think somewhere in this massive country of ours that we would have two million sold-out believers who will believe that God wants to use the church to bless the nation. You and I are the means that God uses to bless this nation. The church uh, must not be stopped in blessing America because that's where the blessing comes from, is God through the church. You and I are God's plan to bless America. If America isn't blessed, it will not be because of God's fault, and it will not be America's fault. It will be the bride of Christ's fault. It will be our responsibility. And here's why, as the worship team comes back this morning, here's why. Because you and I, we're God's voice. We, we speak his word. We're living epistles. We are the feet that walk in the ways of gospel of peace. We are his hands of mercy and compassion. We are his intercessors to forestall judgment and agonize in travail or revival. We are his authority to bind and to loose. We are his key holders to the kingdom of, his, of heaven's treasury. We are his foot soldiers to storm the gates of hell, to liberate his captives. We are God's blessers as salt and light in America. It's time for us to bless America again. Here's why. We have the authority. Let's use it. We have faith. Let's use it. We can pray. Let's do it. We've been given precious promises. Let's claim them. We have the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Let's use it. We have access to the throne of heaven. Go there. We have access to the kingdom weapons, armory, an angelic army. Arise and pray and fight. We have the protection of the Father. So be bold. We have guarantees of success. So don't stop. We have a God who does the impossible. Believe in him. We have the power of love. Live it. We have the help of God. We can't fail. We have the place where we are, the blessed people around you. We are the carriers of the gospel, a gospel that transforms lives. It's about time we shared it. God wants to bless America again, but he wants to do it through you, and he wants to do it through me. We have a responsibility. So we look upon our country. I pray that you're burdened like I'm burdened. Oh God, I don't cast judgment on my country or my countrymen. Oh God, work in my heart. What am I supposed to do? Because when I look at my children, what kind of a country am I leaving for them? And I just want to know that when I get to heaven, that the Lord will look at me and say, Scott, you did all I asked you to do. You worked for a country that saved it or maybe it, it perished. I'm not sure. I just know. I want to hear those words. Well done, my good and faithful servant. The success of America 
is not really my sole responsibility. I don't have to ensure it, but I'm going to work for it. I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to pray the most I can. And most importantly, I'm going to love people like Christ loved people. Because if persecution does come, if judgment does come, they're going to be looking for people to know how to navigate life's challenges. And I don't know of any other people like Christians, true believers in Christ, that says, though he slay me, though he slay me, yet shall I bless you. Yet shall I worship you. Yet shall I pray to you anyway. Even though they, they, they cause me to, to bow down and, and want to put a, a, a chip in my hand as, a, as the, a sign of the enemy come soon to come. It makes no difference what he tries to do to us. He can't force immorality upon my heart. And he can't force unrighteousness on my, on my members. I want to know, are you going to work for Christ or just for your country alone? Because it's so easy for us to have a faith in a country and call it faith in Christ. I want to live a life that says whether, whether I'm in China, Iran, or America, my faith in Christ is the same. Will you stand with me? I want to pray this morning collectively as a, as a people before we dismiss. And I tell you the most important thing, guys, the most important thing is this. I, I'm going to preach this until I can't preach anymore. By this one thing, will all men know that you are my disciples? What does it mean to be a disciple? It means someone who accepts Christ. And when you accept what Christ accepts, you reject what God rejects. And I want to accept everything he has for us. I want the world to accept everything Christ has. But how are they going to know that unless they see me as a disciple of Christ? And here's how they know. My love for one another. Can I tell you that we're not all the same in this building right here? There's going to be some personalities that don't work really well. But that's okay. Jesus loves you anyway. I love you. But here's what I want you to know. Is that we have to. We, it's a mandate, it's a mandate. We have to love each other. And I know that right now in our world, we're so excited over Roe versus Wade and so people are, so many things being said, but what I see is that the Lord, the Lord is trying to use us for good, the enemy's trying to use us for evil, and he's trying to split the church over views, over something that's so sacred and so easily understood. Can I tell you what's important is that you love each other. This is how they know that God is real. This is how they know he is true. And so as we pray, I pray that God will anoint us with supernatural love. We might declare to the world that he is altogether good, altogether loving, altogether holy. Father, I ask you this morning. Now we are people in need this morning. Ask you, Father, that as we walk out of these doors, God, it's great when we're in this church and we're in this sanctuary, we feel safe, we're in your presence. But God, when we leave and we walk out there into a world, God, that hated you and therefore it will hate us. Oh God, 
We need a supernatural love we don't have. God, our patience will be tried. Our temper will be tried. Our convictions, God, will be tried. I pray that you would put in us, God, a hunger for righteousness and a desire, Father, to show others love, to declare to this world that you are a loving God who forgives us and transforms us to be in the image that you originally created us to be. Oh, Lord, lead us to be a people that you can love and bless. And as you bless the church, God bless America. Believe you can do it, but it'll only be by your hand through our obedience. Give us the strength, God, to do what we fail to do. We love you. We pray, Lord, in Jesus.